0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, Life in the Sun. Gracious morning. Wow, this is 2020. Amen. You know, as uh, we were worshiping this morning and, and, and getting ready for uh, today's service, you know, I, I like that um, AJ kind of focused on on vision. I mean, obviously it's easy to connect 2020 with vision but how many believe in coincidences are just coincidences i do not and but what i what i felt kind of drop in my spirit this morning was that it's not just about vision it's about 2020 vision it's about being able to see clearly what god has for us what God has done in us, and what God wants to do for us in the future. I love how A.J. just focused on the one thing this morning, which I think fits right in with today's message, is that God has a plan, and our future is brighter than our present. Amen? So let's move into 2020 with some assurance, some excitement, and some hope that whatever situation we're going through, whatever, uh, you know, we're listening to all this stuff about the, uh, uh, the volcano, and you know, there's so many things in this world that are, you know, causing us to question things. The one question that God wants to answer is, be assured. Be assured that I have a plan and I have a purpose for everything under the sun. Amen. So let's just be encouraged. And uh, before we really get started, can I just pray for us this morning? Amen. Father, we thank you for this new year. We thank you for new opportunities, Lord God. We thank you for new opportunities to see deeper into who you are. And Father, I pray a blessing over today's word. I pray a purpose over today's word. And of course, Father God, I pray that these words that I speak today are from your heart and not my own. And Father, we thank you. We praise you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you don't know who I am, my name is Chris. I'm one of the leaders here at Life and the Sun. Uh, my lovely wife, uh, Cindy, and my daughter Nicole are out here in the front. So they're my support team. They're over there. You know, I saw uh, uh, what was it, Cherry with the flags. I was like, yeah, give them to my. You know, so they'll be over there No. <laughs> so let me just take a drink here. And we'll get started. All right. So when I was preparing for this message, uh, my wife actually came to me and she goes, you know, I've got a good story for you this morning. Something that she had uh, kind of focused on when she found out, you know, the content of my message this morning. So i 'd just like to share that with you this morning. There was a woman who was enjoying a much needed vacation or staycation. Uh, it happened here on Guam. Uh, she was at a high end hotel, and you know she was enjoying time with her family had to get away and you know she was hanging out at the pool and decided, you know I, I need to go use the bathroom so she gets up, gets out of her. Her lounge chase lounge, and she walks towards the bathroom and she notices that uh, they're doing some construction right so I guess they had dug a trench in front of the bathroom, and the construction team obviously had to continue working, so they just covered it up with uh, uh, you know, plywood and, and stuff like that just to make sure that nobody fell into this this trench and so she went into the bathroom, and on her way out, uh, she had kind of forgotten that it was there. And you know, we all wear zori's here, right? So I guess she was walking, and her zori got caught under that cover over that trench, and she fell. And so she was older lady, so you know, not as robust. You know, it's not like us young folks that we can take it, right? But. She fell, and there was actually some serious injuries. Uh, she, broke her, uh, she broke several ribs. Uh, she injured her back. She broke her right arm. And th- a lot of scrapes and scratches and stuff were associated with this. Um, but due to her injuries, you know, the woman was unable to care for her disabled daughter. Um, that's what she did, actually, for a living. She was getting paid for that. And, you know, however, uh, a family member convinced her uh, to file a claim. You know, she probably didn't want to do it. She just like, you know, things happen. But she, the family member really impressed upon her, no, just, just go ahead. They actually have money set aside for claims. You can, you can do that. And so with a little regret, she decided, okay, yes, I'm going to do that. But the result of the case, uh, after it went through the court, she she ended up being awarded $250,000 for pain and suffering, $90,000 for medical bills. She received five years of lost wages. She even got special meals and even a driver to run errands for a year. You know, we're talking about grace. Uh, Pastor Mark started out week one, uh, helping us understanding really what, what grace is. But today, we want to look at grace in such a way that it's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, we think of grace as, you know, we, we have a grace period on our, pay, on our bills, right? We, you know, we get 30 days to pay. That's not what God's total intent, though it is included in grace. Grace is so much more. And grace, in the midst of our tumultuous world, our tumultuous lives, the things that happen to us, we sometimes look at grace and, and think, it's really not connected with my experience. So this morning's... Uh, text is out of 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 12. And this is where Paul is talking about his thorn in the flesh. So let's go ahead and read, starting in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 12. It is necessary to go on boasting. Though it is not profitable, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up to the third heaven. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. Next slide. It was, I was caught up into paradise and heard things too sacred to be put into words, things that a person is not permitted to speak. Is Paul referring to himself in the third person? Yes, they believe he is. On behalf of such an individual, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except about my weakness. For even if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool. For I would be telling the truth, but I refrain from this so that no one may regard me beyond what. He sees in me or what he hears from me. Next slide. Even because of the extraordinary character of the revelations, therefore, so that I would not become arrogant, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me, so that I would not become arrogant. I asked the Lord three times about this, that it would depart from me. Next slide. But he said to me, my grace grace is sufficient enough for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So then I will boast most gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may reside in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with troubles, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. It is for the sake of Christ that Paul chose to enter into the sufficiency of God's grace in the midst of his own trouble. Like the story uh, of our uh, woman at the hotel, God wants to bestow upon us so much more than a simple result of a court case. There's so much that God has in store for us, but there's some things that have to fall into place first before we can even begin to have 2020 vision of what God's grace has for us. So we see that first issue is that Paul, just like many of us, Simply ask God to take away the trouble, the suffering, as it were. Our natural tendency, when we go through trials, when we go through tests and circumstances, whether it's a a looming war with with Iran or a a, a volcano in, in the Philippines, or maybe there's a volcano going off in your home. I don't know. But like Paul, God knows. And in fact, Paul had to go to God. He had to go to God with his suffering because there was nowhere else for him to go. He had been tasked by God to to be the representative to the Gentiles on his behalf. Paul was tasked with such a degree of responsibility that he obligated himself to being the voice of God to the Gentiles. And with that voice came a large responsibility. It says in the text that we just read that that responsibility caused him to go through many trials, persecutions, beatings. Everything under the sun that we read about happened to Paul. And in fact, scholars believe that many of these trials and tribulations and things that Paul went through was the very thorn in the flesh that he's talking about. But, of course, we don't know exactly because Paul does not specifically tell us what that thorn in the flesh was. But the interesting thing is that the word for, that they use for, for, uh, uh, for the actual trouble that Paul is talking about, can be tra- it's translated in many different ways. Sometimes it's even translated as torment. Could be trouble, could be suffering of some kind, And we all go through it. We all have it. We all are going to live in it and around it. This life, as Jesus said, is going to be filled with trouble. And in fact, many come to Jesus simply because trouble is pursuing them. Maybe they're going through suffering. Maybe we are going through some kind of suffering. And God wants that. He wants you to bring your pain to him, he wants you to understand that he is there in the midst of your pain. But just like Paul, he doesn't always take it away, and we may dial back and go, "Well, what? that doesn't make sense, God. You know, you're supposed to be taking away the things in my life that cause me suffering." but we know that's not the case because we even have the scripture that states specifically that in Hebrews that states that Jesus learned his obedience through the suffering that he went through so as we prepare to understand more about suffering my my goal today and what God impressed upon my heart is to help us to have 2020 vision of our trials, of our suffering, to understand not just why it happens, but what is God's purpose for the suffering? Well, first we have, you know, one purpose that Paul reveals is that it was so that he would not become conceited, so that he would not become puffed up. He references his revelations, his trip to heaven, you know? How many... Of us, if we had this amazing revelation from God, we, got to, we actually got to visit heaven. How many of us would come back and go, Whoa. Not, the flesh is always going to want to be involved in that process. That's the part that Paul is really helping us focus on. He's saying specifically that because of his revelations, there was a tendency for him to be puffed up that that would make him arrogant. So then he talks about boasting as a result of that. So what does boasting have to do with suffering? Well, if you think about it, it's a clue. It's a simple clue of what suffering exposes. For Paul, it exposed a tendency to boast. But that may not be the case for all of us. We all may have different reactions to suffering. It may not just be a, a boastful uh, or I'm sorry, a, a reaction to the suffering in the context from Paul's many revelations. okay God wants to have a place in our life where he is purposeful, where he is interacting and relating to us. But we have to understand is that these experiences, don't cover suffering. But they give us a reason to go through them. If you look around Christianity today, you you might see many who actually use these spiritual encounters, these many revelations, as proof of their credibility. But again, Paul refuses to use these revelations as proof of his credibility. In fact, he chose not to boast in them, but he chose to boast in something that we don't choose to boast in most of the time is our weakness. Amen? We would rather have something strong, right? We, that's why we like these superhero movies. We like the, the uh, you know, the, the hero overtakes the villain through what? Strength, power, right? He's pulling planets down on his head, okay? That's, that's the kind of thing that we get excited about. The thing that we don't really find exciting is, oh... You know, I I need to be weak so that God may be strong. But again, suffering draws us into a place where we can understand a little bit deeper God's purpose. Trying to see where we're at with our slides. So God's amazing grace Transforms specifically the way that we see suffering. So God's reply to Paul was that my grace is sufficient for you. There we go. For many of us, we would do anything to avoid suffering, but again, Paul points to God's sufficiency in suffering. He says, All, My grace is enough. For you my power is made perfect in weakness if we go to the definition of sufficient it's Greek archaeo and it simply means enough or adequate for a particular purpose with the implication of leading to satisfaction to meet the need you might be asking me well Chris what has this got to do with suffering I mean suffering to me does not have any bearing on grace. And you might be right, but grace has a lot to bear on our suffering. If you notice, God is always wanting to flip things around on us. He's wanting us to to change the way that we see and the way that we think about things. We come to things naturally, but God comes to things supernaturally. He comes with an added wisdom you know, just like when the, the, he was training the disciples, and he said, remember where he, where he said, it's not good for you to, to look upon a woman with lust. But what did he say? He went a little deeper. He said, if you've already looked at her with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And it wasn't to condemn them. He was showing that life goes deeper than the surface. And that's what he's trying to teach us, I believe, this morning. See, God promises sufficiency. He provides sufficient grace to sustain us in the midst of our suffering. See, grace is more, like I said, than a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's power. It's God beginning to provide himself in the midst of what we are going through. And we know where God is. There's going to be power. There's going to be grace There's going to be mercy. You see, Paul brought his suffering to God. He requested it to be removed three times, and then God gave him something else, something greater. He gave him grace. See, God's grace is more than enough. It's even better than a windfall settlement. So what does grace do to suffering? Grace... Transforms the way that we see suffering. We learn to find joy in suffering. We do not fear it when it comes, and we see that it brings intimacy with Christ. It brings the power of Christ into our circumstances. Not only do we endure suffering, but we actually begin to embrace it as a conduit of God's strength. I mean, I don't know what's happening in each one of your lives. But I can honestly state that all the things that our family has been going through, none of it uh, has been overlooked, per se, by God. Everything in it, no matter how upside down it may look, no matter how tumultuous it may feel to my heart, God being in the midst of it does not always bring the immediate satisfaction that we want, but it brings the hope of a promise that God is going to deliver something that is going to help each one of us walk through these difficult journeys. And we don't know until we begin to walk that journey with him. And that's why I can testify that we've been on many journeys, (laughs) many difficult roads with God. And I can attest to you, church, He's been faithful through every single one. Do not be tempted to be satisfied with the temporary. Wait on God's provision. Wait on God's promise for you, even in the midst of your trial, even in the midst of your situation. Wait. Wait patiently for the Lord, because he is able, he is willing, and he is, has promised that he is going to give you something good. And that is what I really want to focus on now, is what does this conduit of strength bring? How does God make suffering good? Well, he's God. (laughs) Amen? If anyone can make suffering good, God can do it. He begins to turn the way that we see things. See, God doesn't necessarily have to take away your suffering. He's just got to change the way that you look at it. Because sometimes our wrong perspective alone makes suffering worse than what it really is. Number one, suffering brings obedience. So we see Paul, he's, or I'm sorry, this is, I'm going back to Hebrews 5.8, where Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. You see, suffering starts with the one thing that God wants us to obey, the gospel. Obedience to the gospel is simply believing that God has the answer for you. Faith obtains the promise of God's answer for you. Faith brings you closer to being in the the will of God, so that obedience can actually take place. You see, suffering provides the opportunity and the motivation to enter into obedience. You see, we suffer many times, even at our own hand, because of the poor choices that we may make in our life. But the joy is the fact that in that choice, God allows us to have our eyes opened by him in such a way that we learn due to the suffering that I'm willing to give obedience a shot. I'm, I'm willing now to, to trust that God and his way is right, that it's good and it is actually going to produce something better than what I thought my disobedience Was going to bring. Suffering brings humility. Paul tells us that a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me so that I would not become arrogant. Suffering brings patience. Paul also tells us that I asked the Lord three times about this, that it would depart from me. But again, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And when I read this, what I really sense in my heart and what I can tell you from experience, it's like God saying, you know, just come down and sit here next to me while we're going through this. Come sit next to me. And the fact that God puts his arm around us in the midst of what we're going through is the power of grace. Because we find comfort We find power, we find grace, and guess what else we find? We find the answer. Because it is in this intimate relationship where God's still voice whispers to us the answer that we need to get through the situation. How does this work out? What does it look like? Well, maybe you're going through a difficult time, maybe you're dealing with some difficult circumstances, but God convinces you to be patient and you find solace in your patience, and you're learning to trust God for that next step. And it might look like on the horizon, you know, that, that answer is too far away, but God is saying, no, that answer that you're looking for is right here, and the answer is me. If you trust in me, that horizon will come. It may not look exactly like we want it to look, but trust me. It will come and it will be good and it will be better than you thought. Suffering provides reasons for us to trust in the Lord. Paul, through God's grace, began embracing his weaknesses. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. You see, God does not like pride, He does not like self sufficiency. Why? Because it's weak, it never provides it doesn't adequately address the situation it will always fail or it will be less than of what god could provide if we trusted in him and brought it to him you see grace weakens our trust in our own strength this by far is probably one of the most valuable lessons that we can learn in our walk with jesus the world needs to see god's power at work in our lives See, he gets all the glory when his power is seen through our obvious weaknesses. Church, they see God in you when your trust in God is obvious to them. They will trust in God. You don't want them trusting in you, you want them trusting in God. Suffering brings power. Again, Paul says, so then I will boast most gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may reside in me. It brings power. Suffering brings contentment. Therefore, I am content with my weaknesses, with insults, with troubles, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. And finally, suffering clarifies what is truly valuable. And before I close, I really want to kind of park here for a few minutes. And I'm actually going to go back to the book of Job because obviously when we talk about suffering, Job is always a target (laughs) for us to understand what suffering is about. But there's something interesting. And in the opening chapters of Job, show God putting his beloved servant in a position in which he loses everything. And in fact, he may even lose every other reason to stay in a relationship with God except for God himself. It starts to cost Job dearly to hold on to his relationship with God. And as Thomas Merton writes, if we love God for something less than himself, we cherish a desire that can fail us. We run the risk of hating him if we do not get what we hope for. You see, this is the case because a relationship with God, for God's sake, is the only kind of relationship that will save us. The true character of our faith, whether we have faith at all, is exposed in the crucibles of suffering. And the greatest gift to our suffering is God's amazing grace. Most scholars agree that God does allow suffering, both as a result of our sin and a tool to make us more like Jesus. But sometimes God allows pain and loss that really have nothing to do with the sin in our lives and are not meant to teach us anything. You see, when God puts us into a position where we must hold on to our relationship with God for God's sake only, in which we stand to gain nothing but God, then we start to receive him more fully than we ever have before. You see, after months of suffering, Job finally says to God, I've heard of thee by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes see thee. Job had perfect 2020 vision of who God is. You see, Job's amazing cry, "Now my eyes see you," can actually become our own. And it's funny that even there were some, uh, you know, challenges and mix-ups with the with the schedule f- uh, for this actual sermon that I'm giving today. And when I received this the change, uh, there was actually something that happened this week. Uh, my daughter was here from the states, and. You know, there's some challenges there in our, our relationship, but God, again, proved Himself so faithful. I actually remember, I don't know, the revelation place for me is the shower. I don't know, it just seems to be where it happens. But I was in the shower and I just said, Wow, God. And I said those very same words I see you. I see you at work. I see what you're doing, God. And it humbles me. It helps me helps me go through this difficult relationship. <laughs> it helps me hope and not get frustrated and not lose hope in what I'm seeing with my eyes. I begin to see something different. I begin to see God's movement, God's action, God's purpose. And what does it do? It causes me to rest. That that anxiousness, that that turmoil just washes away. And I worship God as a result. He's good. (laughs) He's so good. So wherever you're at, whatever situation you're going through, God is in it. Trust me, He is in it. And He's going to bring something good, even from the worst situation that may be happening to you today. Trust in Him. Bring your things to God. Bring them. He is faithful. And he wants to know you. He wants to show himself faithful to you. But the transaction that we have with God is by faith. That's the commodity. It is not our good works. It is not our dutiful obedience. It's our faith that trusts that God will do what He says. You see, it, it, it's actually spelled out so graciously for us in 1 Peter 1, verses 6-7. It says, Now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found as a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Church, our faith needs to be tested. And there's no other proving ground than through suffering. So what is our response? Our response is to simply be confident in God's power in us our response in the midst of our trials to be confident of God's power working in us because we are in relationship with Him. You see, when we are weak, we're humble, and when we are strong, we are confident. God's grace works best in weakness. God's grace is made perfect in our weakness. God's grace is strongest when we acknowledge that we are weak, and God, God's grace is revealed in the midst. Of our suffering you see grace is better than simple relief Paul went to God for relief but God gave him something better <laughs> he gave him grace you see because grace is sufficient because God is sufficient Acts 14 says strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Worship team, you can go ahead and come on up. And let's just go ahead and focus on this last scripture out of Romans 8. I chose verses 18 and 28. And I just want to spend some time here as the worship team is coming up. Can we go to that slide? Is that slide next? There we go. Thank you, Jesus. So here Paul is addressing the Romans and he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. You hear that, church? They're not worthy. They're not worthy. Quit giving them all your attention. They're not worthy. But they have a purpose. They're meant to deliver you to the one who will bring the glory that is to be revealed in you. And in verse 28, it says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Church, you've been called. The call goes out every day. The gospel goes out Every single day, Jesus is saying, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He will give you rest from your suffering. It doesn't mean that He's going to take it away, but He's going to help you rest. That's the promise. He's going to help you rest no matter what you face. And trust me, trials are going to come. If you don't have them today, trust me. They're coming. But God wants you to be prepared. So I just want to give an opportunity of every head bowed and every eye closed. For anybody in this house today that wants to answer the gospel call, that's you today and you say, Lord, I want to know you. I really don't know much about you, but hearing about you today and that you've answered some of my questions today. And I want to know you as my Savior. I want to know you. I want to bring you into the midst of my life. Because you see, God provided a sacrifice that he as a result of our sin. And Jesus was that qualifying payment that he gave himself willingly so that you may have eternal life. And all it takes for you is to be able to confess your sin, trust in Jesus for your salvation. And the word says that you will be saved. So if you just want to follow along with me as I pray, Father, I thank you that you provided Jesus Christ is my sacrifice. That you provided him as a way for me to know you more. That he is the conduit of my salvation. And I want that relationship with you. I want that confidence that you are going to be in my life. I repent of my unbelief. I repent of the sin in my life. And I turn to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And then just one last prayer for the rest of us that if we're going through a trial, if we're going through something that we really need some relief from, the same relief that Paul was requesting from God in his own prayer. And I just want to pray with you this morning in fact, not only do I want to pray, but I want to declare something over each one of our situations. (laughs) I want to declare that God is good. I want to declare that God has a plan and a purpose for your suffering. And I want to declare that you are going to find joy on the other side of it. And I want to declare that you're going to actually begin to find joy now in the midst of it. Why? Because you know that the Father of Heaven is in the midst of your situation. He is there. He wants you to have perfect eyes, 20-20 vision of your situation. It is not hopeless. And it is not going to end in destruction. Because God said, when you put your hope and your faith and your trust in me, I will give you answer. He says that specifically in his word. So Father, thank you for each person in this house today. Thank you for their struggles. Thank you for their trials and their tribulations, Lord God. And let the power of your grace rest on each one of us today, Father. As we find our sufficiency in you. And Jesus, we can declare along with Job my eyes have now seen you I have heard of you God but now I see you in Jesus name